Welcome to Ikeland, the podcast where I, Thomas Robertson, he, him, take you on a journey through the world of British conspiracy theorist David Ike, a self-confessed tireless campaigner for truth. Tread carefully and follow me. In Ikeland, they lurk in every shadow and behind every corner. The lizard men who rule the world need human blood to maintain their human disguises. So, for your own safety, keep your hands and feet inside the podcast. It's the new year. More or less. Uh, it's almost April. But the time seems right to look ahead and speculate about what the year 2023 will bring. So today, we'll be looking at a video entitled, What to Expect in 2023? How appropriate. Which is an interview of Ike by Belgian journalist Baptiste de Pepe, uh, uploaded by David Ike to his BitChute channel in early February. If you don't know what BitChute is, uh, well, frankly, you're lucky. BitChute is a video streaming site hosting content too vile for YouTube. Anti-vax, racist, anti-Semitic. Honestly, spare yourself and don't look. There's nothing worth watching on the site and the comments are disgusting. Like, really, really vile. Unfortunately for Mr. Ike, he's been banned from YouTube, so BitChute is one of his only hosting options outside of his own platform. Unfortunately for us... Ike doesn't actually make any predictions for 2023 over the course of this almost two-hour interview. The first thing worth mentioning is the sponsor for the video, Oxnelia. Holy moly. Okay, so Oxnelia's ad promoting their products such as their anti-nano device and chemtrail busters plays before the interview with Ike, and it's, um, it's really something. Here, have a listen ready to actively restore humanity towards its divinity join oxnelia's private member association for free you will gain access to products and services such as the anti-nano device which detoxes chemtrail toxins including metals and nano chembusters clearing chemtrails within a 15 to 20 mile radius and the sovereign law knowledge course teaching one how to operate within the matrix without becoming subject to its many legal deceptions and trappings. It is time to rise and take action towards constructing a world of increasing harmony, fortitude, and freedom. Good stuff, good stuff. So the crude nanobuster um, quote-unquote device is a plastic bucket with green electric wire wrapped around it uh, and attached with black duct tape. You plug it into your electrical outlet and soak your feet in the bucket to remove quote-unquote nano smart dust and heavy metals, which apparently have accumulated in your body from chemtrails. The chemtrail conspiracy theory dates back to the mid-1990s and claims that the long white condensation trails are actually dangerous chemicals sprayed by nefarious actors to achieve a number of different objectives, ranging from weather manipulation to population control. In reality, it's just a result of the hot, humid exhaust from a plane's engines mixing with the cold air of the atmosphere, which results in water vapor condensing into droplets or ice crystals. The same as regular old clouds, basically. From the looks of the poor construction of the uh, quote-unquote device and the shoddy-looking soldering on the electrical leads, plugging this into your power outlet and putting your feet in it looks way more dangerous than anything in the atmosphere. 
It's as likely to pur- purify your body of heavy metals as having a bath with your toaster. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, a cheaper option too, because this anti-nano device is being sold on Oxnelia's website for $296 Australian. You will get a 10% discount this month when you use promo code David Ike at checkout, so that's something, I guess. The Chembusters, it's claimed, uh, remove the dangerous chem- uh, chemtrail particles from the atmosphere directly. This is a block of something called Organite, which I had to Google, uh, which is resin mixed with metals and quartz, which has been formed in a bucket with steel pipes set into the resin block vertically for you to insert uh, copper pipes into. Uh, presumably to direct the energy skyward. Hmm, not sure. Here's the product description from Oxnalia's website. This chem buster is made from a two-gallon bucket, layered in fluorite, stained spar, uh, brackets selenite, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, Russian shungite, and steel topped by a large crystal, brackets size may vary on availability, the bottom of the device has quartz crystals inside every pipe and four double-terminated crystals wrapped in copper wire to amplify the energetic resonance. It's finished with epoxy resin mixed in 24K gold for further amplification. All crystals are cleaned in salt and charged under the sun and moon for several days before device creation. Five-foot pipes are not included. It's cheaper for you to buy them locally. Shipping these large pipes would be very pricey and often creates dents in the pipes during shipping. Six times five foot copper one inch diameter pipes you can buy locally at your local hardware store. Brackets. If no five foot copper pipes are available, you can easily cut three ten feet pipes with a pipe cutter, then you circle around the pipe. Videos online. This chembuster has the ability to clear chemtrails and alter the ether within a several mile radius. Little maintenance is required, weighs around 45 to 50 pounds, and is custom packaged for shipping. The mat wrapped around the device is a grounding mat, which is essential to ground the energies. Not included. If you have a backyard, dig the chembuster into the earth one third inch, and it will ground the device, making it much more powerful. The device has a lifespan of seven to nine years, depending on climate and tuning maintenance. In tuning video below. Do not expose device to temperatures below 30 degrees Fahrenheit and above 110 degrees Fahrenheit. It can crack at freezing temperatures. So, Canbus is a dead set bargain. Uh, it costs $2,656 Australian. Remember that David Ike promo code at checkout um, because you'll want to be saving some money on that. As for the Sovereign Law Knowledge course that she mentions, uh, this sounds like the same old tired sovereign citizen rhetoric. If you haven't encountered the concept of the sovereign citizen before, it's basically the idea that there are loopholes and cheat codes to the law, which, once you're savvy to them, exempt you from laws requiring you to pay taxes or be licensed to drive a vehicle. There's a rabbit hole to fall down on YouTube of police pulling drivers over who attempt to use sovereign citizen talking points to claim exemption to whatever applicable traffic law they've infringed. These encounters usually escalate into hysterics and an inevitable arrest for the sovereign citizen when the police officer has no idea what the sovereign citizen is talking about and the sovereign citizen refuses to cooperate. Here's the audio from the promo video for the course on the Oxnelia website. To the Sovereign Knowledge course. This course is an intermediate to advanced study. 
It's comprehensive, detail, and fact-oriented. It is my aim to make digestible a most complex subject into an organized, condensed structure. Through the laying of such foundation, you will be able to move freely within the matrix, choosing to operate within and without it, per consent. The detailed knowledge in this course focuses on the establishing of law, republic and federal government, American history, the financial system, UCC maritime admiralty law, traveling versus driving, sovereign protections and immunities. Learning the many different facets of law can be complex, overwhelming, and confusing. This course acts as an in-depth overview of fundamental events, knowledge, codes, and definitions which created the world we live in today. Never has there been a more crucial time for the rectification of usurping world governance. I encourage and support your journey towards the embodiment of your divine unalienable rights. When enough of us stand in our divinity, the ignorance which plagues the planet will dissolve into the knowingness of God within man. Sounds almost too good to be true. Despite promising comprehensive instruction on navigating the legal system, I think that's what she said anyway, the Oxnalia site has the following disclaimer which I find amusing. Disclaimer of liability. Nothing on this website is to be construed as either an admission of liability or admission of wrongdoing on the part of the woman sharing information and aiding in lawful conversion. The knowledge shared on this website is not to be construed as legal advice. So that doesn't fill me with a ton of confidence. Again, a total bargain at only $213 Australian. It's a downloadable audio file after purchase, so if anyone wants to send me the cost of it, I'd be happy to listen and break it down, um, possibly in a future episode. In reality, outside of the possibly electrocuting the poor user, there's nothing these products actually do. The electric bucket promises to cleanse your body of heavy metals and something called nano, whatever that is, but it's just a foot soak. Plus, the contaminants it claims to remove originate from a source which is totally bogus. On the other hand, maybe the chembuster works too well and has wiped out chemtrails altogether. Who knows? You know, maybe I'm the idiot. Wouldn't be the first time. I think the advertising at the start of the interview is worth highlighting because not only is it amusing because it's definitely amusing. It's also a window into the New Age grifter ecosystem where David Icke exists. When I see something like this, I always wonder if the seller is a believer, or just a grifter out to profit off the believers. Given the outrageous prices and the poor quality of the products, this definitely feels predatory to me. But I can't say with any certainty given how little of Oxnelia's content I've seen. Alright, enough fooling around with these advertisers. On to the main event. The interview with Mr. Ike and what we can expect in 2023. The interview kicks off with a discussion of Ike's recent ban from entering the Netherlands. He was scheduled to speak at a rally organised by a group called Together for the Netherlands. Uh, they're a group who have protested COVID-19 lockdowns. Uh, the letter sent to Ike from Dutch immigration authorities, which he published on his website, stated, 
there are concrete indications that your arrival in the Netherlands poses a threat to public order. And recently, Mr. Ike has been banned from entering the Netherlands for two years. And um, Mr. Ike, it's so good to see you. How are you? I'm good, yeah, despite everything. <laughs> yeah. So how does it feel um, to have the honor to, uh, to, to be banned from the Netherlands? Well, I think it's a sign of the times, but it's also a sign of where the power really is. Um, we are told that this uh, global network, um, which has its uh, tentacles in every country, not least the Netherlands, through people like Mark Rutter and the Dutch royal family, um, is all powerful. But uh, that's not been my experience. Uh, the power that this network has is only the power that the human race gives it every day in the form of acquiescence. So Ike, ding, here's the bell. He's straight out of the corner, ready to punch on. So he opens up with that the powerful rely on humanity acquiescing to their rule over them. That is, the powerful only rule us because we don't resist, either because we believe resistance is impossible or because it never occurs to us to resist to begin with. Ike will make this point a few times throughout the interview, and uh, he expands further on what he means here. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm one guy. I'm not part of any organization. I'm not uh, someone who uh, calls for violence, never been violent, I abhor violence. Um, and uh, somehow this one guy is such a threat to the Dutch government, the Dutch system, and the system of which the Dutch government is a part globally, that they um, not only banned me uh, from the Netherlands for uh, agreeing to speak at a peace rally in Amsterdam, but they uh, also um, wangle it so that I'm banned from 26 European countries. And of course, there's a lot of other countries outside the Schengen system, like the United States, that use the Schengen system as their criteria for whether they let you in or not. So I'm actually banned from a lot more countries than even the 26. Uh, and it just shows you um, they're terrified of uh, one guy. Uh, why? Because of what I'm saying. The, the whole foundation of this global conspiracy and this uh, attempt to introduce this global dystopian society is control of human perception. And you control human perception by controlling what people hear from which they form those perceptions. This is where all, all the censorship's coming from now. And they know that their narrative is so ludicrous, so unsupportable by the evidence, <clears throat> that the only way to defend it is to stop uh, alternative information being heard by the public. Mm. And and this is where it's all coming from, this, uh, this censorship. Woo-wee. So apparently it's all about perceptions. Control people's perceptions, control the people. In that clip, Ike mentions the Schengen system in the context of his ban from the Netherlands. So the Schengen area is made up of the European Union states plus three European microstates, uh, Monaco, San Marino, and the Vatican City. And I didn't know any of this until I looked it up. The Schengen system is the arrangement under which people can move freely across borders between the member countries without needing passports or visas. Because Ike has been prohibited from entering the Netherlands for two years, he's also banned from entering any of the other countries which are part of the Schengen area. His comment about the United States intrigued me, and to the best of my research, Ike's wrong here when he says that he's banned from entry to other countries, such as the US, because of his ban from the Schengen area. If Ike wanted to enter the United States, 
They may consider his ban from the Netherlands and the Schengen area when determining whether or not he can enter the US, but his ban doesn't necessarily mean he won't be allowed to enter the US. Not an expert in US visas, so, you know, I reserve the right to be wrong about this one. To me, it sounds like Ike is talking up what he perceives as persecution to make it sound like what he has to say is more of a threat than it really is to the governments of the world. Basically, he's establishing his conspiracy theory strict cred. Here's a clip where Ike explains why he believes he was barred from entering the Netherlands. Now, if you remember, the basic foundation coming from government, coming from the media, otherwise coming from the government, in other words, uh, coming from uh, man-and-a-dog organizations like this city organization in uh, the Netherlands, was that I shouldn't be allowed to come because I'm an anti-Semite and a Holocaust denier. Now, of course, that's used all the time uh, on multiple people because it's extremely uh, emotive and can attract a lot of um, aggressive response to the person who's accused of it. This yes. is the idea. That's why they use it. And it happens all the time. They also do it with Marshall Messing. I mean, you know him quite well, I think. Yeah, they do it with Marshall Messing. Uh, yeah. Marshall Messing. But I'll give you another example. Um, in this country, in Britain recently, a member of parliament in the ruling Conservative Party, although he's not in the government, called Andrew Bridgen, um, has at last uh, been a politician in Britain who's stood up in parliament and called out this fake vaccine, this fake mRNA uh, fake vaccine. It's not a vaccine by any other previous criteria in terms of all the death and health destruction that it has been causing. Yes. And, and what he said on Twitter was that a... a um, consultant cardiologist had uh, said to him that this fake vaccine is basically the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust. Now, it turns out, they didn't know this at the time when they turned on him, that that uh, cardiologist is an Israeli Jewish guy, right? It's his quote. Yes. But it doesn't matter because what they had here is, look, we've got this guy in parliament now standing up. Because he's in Parliament, they can't hide it. He's talking about the fake vaccine. He's saying it's dangerous. He's saying how many people it's killed. Yes. Um, so we don't really want to take him on on that because that will start a debate about the fake vaccine. So he said, no, he was quoting an Israeli Jewish cardiologist who said that this is the biggest uh, uh, crime against humanity since the Holocaust. So we'll go with that. So the whole um, focus of attention by the system, including his own party and the Prime Minister Sunat, and a guy called Matt Hancock, who is responsible for enormous numbers of deaths in this country yes. when he was health secretary during the COVID uh, lockdowns and the rollout of the fake vaccine. And the opposition parties, if you can call them that, all of them focused on this guy and called him an anti-Semite yes. uh, for um, invoking the Holocaust. He didn't. This uh, cardiologist from Israel did. So you see how it's used. Now, where I'm going with this is that that was... That drove the response from the unthinking, unquestioning, uh, fake, um, uh, radical left, which is actually calls itself anti-fascist while it acts like, yes. um, to, to, um, to attack me and say we're, we're, there'll be trouble if he's uh, allowed to speak in Dam Square. Okay, so that's what happened. And then the government came out eventually and said, because of the furore that's been created by your visit, brackets the furore that we created through ourselves and the media. Um, we can't allow you to come 
because uh, you're a threat to uh, the, the the safety of society, basically. Um, and so you're not only banned from the Netherlands for two years, you're banned from 26 European countries. Okay, so that... So, Ike is claiming here that accusations of anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial are being used against him to silence him and prevent him from entering the Netherlands. He also claims that this kind of accusation is weaponized to silence and censor people communicating what Ike calls here alternative information. Big quote marks around that one. What Ike fails to mention is the basis for these accusations against him. In his 1994 book, The Robot's Rebellion, Ike relied on an anti-Semitic forgery, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, as evidence of a plan for world domination by a secret cabal, which could be extraterrestrial, according to Ike. In reality, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion were probably written around 1897 and purport to be the fa- a factual document detailing the secret plan by which Jewish people will take over the world. It was proven to be a hoax as early as 1920 by Lucian Wolf, but it just won't go away and is very popular in conspiracy circles, as well as, obviously, amongst anti-Semites. In Ike's following 1995 book, And the Truth Shall Set You Free, Ike made claims about Jewish financiers funding the Holocaust. Recently, Ike has claimed that the Rothschilds family, a wealthy Jewish family, as well as Bill Gates, are behind the COVID-19 outbreak. Even if Ike doesn't identify as an anti-Semite, he has amplified and spread anti-Semitic material. Regarding Ike's invocation of British MP Andrew Bridgen, Ike has some of the facts backwards. So Bridgen tweeted a link to an article about side effects from the vaccines for COVID-19, to which Bridgen added a comment stating, As one consultant cardiologist said to me, this is the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust. Bridgen didn't identify the cardiologist in question and later deleted the tweet. Later, when he was asked about the tweet, Bridgen stated, The use of the Holocaust as a reference was insensitive, for which I apologise. Before clarifying, however, this must not be used to distract from valid concerns related to the vaccine. The article I tweeted presents the work of a Jewish-Israeli researcher. Bridgen didn't claim that the cardiologist he claimed to be quoting when he compared the COVID-19 vaccinations to the Holocaust was a Jewish-Israeli man, but was rather trying to deflect accusations of anti-Semitism from himself by stating that the article contained work by a Jewish-Israeli scientist. As if that somehow makes it all better. Nevertheless, despite being widely condemned for the insensitive comparison to the Holocaust, Bridgen was actually expelled from the Conservative Party for spreading misinformation about COVID-19 and the vaccine. Neither of Ike's examples here, either himself or Andrew Bridgen, have had false accusations of anti-Semitism or Holocaust denial used against them to censor them. Anyway, the interview continues on for a few minutes with Ike detailing the process of appealing his ban from entering the Netherlands before the discussion turns to the World Economic Forum. So, the World Economic Forum is a non-governmental and lobbying organisation made up of companies which fund it through membership fees. The World Economic Forum also receives public subsidies. So, in a nutshell, the WEF has made it its mission to improve the state of the world by engaging business, political, academic and other leaders of society to shape global, regional and and industry agendas. The WEF meets annually for five days in Davos, 
a mountain resort in Switzerland, to discuss global issues. The WEF and its founder, Klaus Schwab, are the subjects of many conspiracy theorists' suspicions. And wouldn't you know it, Ike is no exception. The World Economic Forum, thanks to the alternative media around the world, is now uh, known by a lot of people compared with just not very long ago. Um, and, you know, it's appearing in uh, the mainstream media and uh, places like, you know, the Fox News Channel in, uh, in America, for instance, talks about the World Economic Forum uh, very uh, openly now. And it's manipulation, uh, not the level that it's really going on, but that, that level of the World Economic Forum. Um, and so um, the, the mainstream media, and I saw that with this recent Davos meeting, can't completely ignore it anymore. They've got to acknowledge it's going on. Um, and so they, they pick um, topics that, um, that they can go with without talking about the real uh, important things, which is, which is that um, it's manipulating, uh, in, in part, part of a network that's manipulating a truly, truly dystopian society in which there will be literally no freedom, uh, even freedom of thought eventually, if we allow this to continue for much longer. Um, uh, so it's, um, again, it's a good sign that the World Economic Forum is no longer in the shadows. The big bad WEF is going to take our freedom away. As I said before the clip, in conspiracy circles, the WEF has been a sinister force up to no good for years. Any meeting of political leaders, academics, experts, heads of finance and industry is naturally eyed with suspicion by those who are conspiracy minded. However, Baptiste provides some insight into what goes down in Davos after a long day of conspiring. Something about this all over the mainstream media, but uh, they have this gathering in Davos, uh, Davos every year. And in the mainstream media in the Netherlands, was, um, everyone was talking about the fact that uh, airplanes full of prostitutes were being flown into Davos. <laughs> For you know <laughs> the 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 WEF people, what about that? I mean, that's so crazy. That's that's in the news. Everybody's talking. Yeah. What's the re reasoning behind that? You obviously can't see it, but during that clip, Ike has the most bashful look on his face. It's it's actually pretty funny. Anyway, I found this quite interesting, and there's a kernel of truth to it, but it's not how Baptiste here is making it sound. Rather than being flown in by the plane load by them, quote-unquote, during the summit, uh, many sex workers travel to Davo, or Davos, Baptiste pronounce it uh, an intriguing way there, I'm not sure which way to pronounce it, uh, Davos, because their services are in high demand. A sex worker named Liana spoke with the German newspaper Bild about working in Davo during the forum. Liana dresses in corporate wear to blend in with the executives and is able to charge 700 euros an hour or 200, oh, rather 2,300 euros a night. Liana regularly sees an American man who attends the forum. If this podcast doesn't take off, I'm flying to Switzerland next January. Sex work is legal in Switzerland, so there are no laws being broken here. Baptiste is making it sound like prostitutes are being loaded onto a plane and secreted to Davos for an eyes wide shut style sex ritual by the WEF attendees. In reality, the sex workers are just making the most of a good business opportunity. Now, if I've put your mind at ease and lulled you into a false sense of security about the WEF and you think you're safe, the WEF aren't the only baddies. Here's a clip of Ike sharing an ad note about another meeting of the rich and influential, subject to scrutiny by the likes of Ike. 
the Bilderberg Group. I was uh, invited um, out of the blue, we talk about the synchronicity in my life, it just goes on all the time, by a couple of friends in southern Switzerland, near the Italian border, um, to um, to go there for a week's holiday. And I, 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 with my family, so we went over and it was great. And then as soon as I got there, um, came a round-robin um, email from Jim Tucker saying the Bilderberg meeting um, this year is um, in a place called Bergenstock, I think it was called, in Switzerland, which was about a couple of hours' drive from where I was. So I drove up there. This is when Bilderberg is really only known by people who are seriously interested in uh, investigating the conspiracy. And I went there, and I, 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 it was very, very expensive hotels. And one was called the Palace, and there was another one. And you went up there, uh, and you went up the mountain, the big long road up the mountain. And uh, it was the day before uh, the, uh, the elite arrived, and they were putting up the fences and all the people, the security guards were there and everything. Um, and then I went away and I came back um, on the last day of the, of the Bilderberg meeting. And I couldn't even get on the mountain. As I turned onto the road to go up towards the mountain, there was a roadblock, Swiss police. And it was interesting because I, this was put have been about 1995, I think. I said to the guy, um, what, what, what's the problem? He says, oh, there's, a, there's an important meeting going up where you're not allowed to go up there. I said, well, who is it? And he, he hadn't got a clue. And this is where the, the compartmentalization uh, or how it works. Yes. He's just told no one goes up the mountain. He's no, he has no idea why. Yes. He's just doing what he's told. And this he's is just how following orders. Yeah. Works. Yeah. Uh, but now, of course, as a result of the alternative media, as the years have gone on, um, Bilderberg has become so widely known um, that it really is a, a, a lot less important in the whole cult scheme of things. Um, than it used to be. And uh, the, basically, the World Economic Forum seems to have taken its place. Yes. I wanted to include that clip for two reasons. The first is that it highlights a core belief of Ike's that recurs throughout his work, and that is that there are no such thing as coincidences. Ike attributes great importance to coincidence. Every coincidence is a signpost, a message from the universe, a synchronicity. Events which are unconnected despite appearances are to Ike connected by the cosmic significance with which he imbues them. He does not find a book on a topic he is interested in by chance in a railway station. He is led to it by fate. Likewise, his holiday in Switzerland with friends was meant to be so that he could have a brush with the Bilderbergers. The second reason is the comment Ike makes about the man on the closed road who is ignorant of the Bilderberg meeting taking place. We have no idea who this man is. Is he a Swiss policeman or is he from a traffic control company just hired for the day to shut down the road? Is he security assigned for a few days to keep tourists from wandering into the meeting? It's not uncommon for people working a gig low on the totem pole to be out of the loop. The guy knew enough to do his job. There's an important meeting and sorry, Mr. Ike, but you can't come in. He probably doesn't care about the specifics. We've all been that guy at some point. I know I have. Tell me enough so I can do my job and we can all go on with our days. But Ike immediately incorporates this into the conspiracy. The Bilderberg meeting is so insidious and their agenda so shadowy, so secretive, that not even their own security are privy to the details. Ike knew what the meeting was, so I think in all likelihood this guy could have found out if he was inclined to. But he just didn't care. Or he was told and forgot, because ultimately it doesn't matter to his job. He just needs to keep people who aren't going to the meeting off the road. Anyway, 
The interview continues and Ike has an opportunity to expand on how they, quote unquote, control and manipulate us and the role we play in our own predicament. Apologies in advance. This is a longer clip again, but I thought it was important to include it. Well, um, where to start? Because, you know, I've been on a journey since uh, 1990 of just expanding and expanding and expanding my research and knowledge of this uh, conspiracy. And it's just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, However, I would say, uh, before people say, well, obviously then there's nothing we can do, that every single level depends on human acquiescence to this force. Every level. This force in the background cannot just take over. There's not enough of it. What they have to do is manipulate humanity to act in ways that allows them to take over and even agrees for them to take over. And uh, one of the uh, things that I, uh, one of the phrases I coined in the 1990s was problem, reaction, solution. Create the problem, um, tell the public the version of the problem, lies that you want them to believe about why the problem has happened and who's responsible. And you want the people to respond at stage two with a reaction of fear of outrage that demands that you, who covertly created the problem, do something. And then at stage three, you offer the solution to the problems you have created. And people then in great numbers accept your solution because of the problem which you've manufactured. It doesn't always have to be a problem, only the perception of it. Uh, and thus they are reluctantly, maybe, but still agreeing that this is solution has to happen. Oh, we don't really want it, but what else can you do in the circumstances? So in, in, in that way, in many other ways, um, human perception is being manipulated to either accept what is imposed upon them or um, seize no other uh, solution other than that one that is suggested to them. Mm. It's fraudulent. It's, it's like selling people a fraudulent contract by not telling them the true background before they sign. Yes. But it's, it's a, a manipulating people to basically go with it uh, and uh, so if they could just take over, they would have done a long time ago. They can't. They have to do it without acquiescence. For instance, if um, you want to um, connect, as they do, openly talking about it, the human brain to artificial intelligence, then you can't tell them that it's so that their perceptions and their emotions and their thoughts will come direct through AI and human perceptions and thoughts and emotions that we know them will be history. You can't tell them that because they'd say, we're not doing it. What you sell them is that if you have this um, technology that connects you to AI, you can become like the gods. You can go onto a whole new level of um, potential and ability and knowledge. Oh, yeah, well, I'll have some of that then. Uh, but that's not why they're doing it, of course. Hearing this raises the question for me. Does Ike's worldview allow for accidents or natural phenomena at all? Or is everything a plot perpetrated by them, quote unquote, to advance their agenda? Ike doesn't believe in coincidences, but does he believe in accidents? As we heard in that clip from Ike, they rely on trickery and deceit in order to maintain power over humanity. But to what end? What's it all about? You'll be glad you asked. The plan is twofold. The first half Ike explains here 
using artificial intelligence to deny us access to a greater or higher consciousness. Well, while we need AI um, in the uh, in the agenda um, sequence, is to stop us accessing that infinite intelligence that is open to us. The whole foundation of the conspiracy is holding us in a five-sense level of perception. And if they can uh, connect the brain to AI, and of course people like Elon Musk have uh, 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 this company Neuralink to do just that, yeah. there are many others too, um, then they can stop us having any thoughts or connection to the greater infinite intelligence because our perceptions will come direct from AI. Yes. And the AI perceptions won't be perceiving that there is a, an infinite intelligence to tap into. Yeah. Uh, so th 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 that's the reason. Um, the whole foundation, like I say, of the conspiracy is to stop us tapping into that infinite intelligence yes. and to enslave us, to imprison us in um, the, the, the human level of the mind, if you like. They will use artificial intelligence to alter our perceptions and by doing so, limit us to the human level of experience, denying us access to a greater intelligence. Now, there's a crucial second part of the plan, as I teased before the clip, but I can't get to that for a little while yet. So hold on to your hats when he does. It's, uh, it's a doozy. In the meantime, Ike elaborates on who the they are who rule the world, who he names the cult in these clips, which is so much easier to say than they in a funny voice every time he also discusses researching into how they've expanded their control globally when did this start it it can't have been uh, recently because they can't have built this system this network of control um in a few years so when did it start and i i started going back and looking for it and i got comfortably back to babylon through the roman empire such, such like um and i started to see that there was this network that was um, on a, a journey of expanding its reach from, well, you can go back to Babylon and Sumer in what we, both of which were in what we now call Iraq. Um, but it goes back further, but it's a good place to pick up. Um, and, and you can then go take it forward through the Roman Empire, which moved up into Northern Europe, and then through the European empires massively, not least the British Empire, because the Dutch had an empire as well. Um, and, and this cult, um, was able to go global then. And there was a, a point where um, the former colonies of the European powers, in other words, the cult powers, um, apparently rolled back their control of those countries. But that's not what happened. They left out in those countries, the former colonies, um, the network and particular family bloodlines that, um, that uh, served the cult. And they went on and have gone on controlling those countries ever since. We then went into um, what we call globalization, which is what? The centralization of global power in every area of our lives. And it's a simple thing. If you're a few compared with the target population, which this cult is, you have got to centralize decision making. Because the more you centralize decision making, the more power the few have over more and more and more. So globalization is centralizing power over all these different areas of human life. Then, of course, we had the uh, European Union, which is absolutely a cult. Uh, creation. I've written about this extensively in, in past books. Um, you can pick the European Union up at least in the 1920s when, when it was being orchestrated. Um, and, um, and what is that? Uh, it's the centralization of power. 
you look at the European Union, you've got unelected bureaucrats in Brussels, never mind the European Parliament, that's just for window dressing so they can claim it's democratic. Um, and the, the, um, the bureaucrats in Brussels are deciding what happens to the entirety of the countries of the European Union. So what we've seen is this cult has been centralizing power in every area it can, so the few can dictate to the to the many. So now you have European Union-wide laws in which the few at the center of the EU are imposing their will upon the entirety of the countries of the EU. Um, and so then we uh, have reached the point now where it is a global cult and it is centralizing power globally. So after the Second World War, you had the Bretton Woods Agreement, you had the IMF, you had the World Bank, and uh, you had the um, World Trade Organization, the World Health Organization, the United Nations. These are all globally centralizing uh, bodies to put the power over these different areas of human life, um, un and basically under one roof. Yes. And we've reached the point now where that, that power is, um, is uh, global to the point where they're moving towards playing this global society, this dystopian global society. It's all about expansion and the concentration of power, bringing the many under the control of the few. First it was empires and royalty, then it was colonialism, and now it's globalization. I do have to say, Ike has a very Western-centric view of history. Anyway, he goes on. Um, so um, I saw how this cult had come out over the years and grabbed more and more power. But then there, there was a, another a point, which was, okay, so people have been born into this cult. They've played their part in advancing its agenda over thousands of years. And then they've died. And others have come in and they've played their part. And then they've died and others have come. And I thought there has to be a coordinating force which spans this whole story. So do you believe it's the same people incarnating in different bodies over well, and over again? Well, well uh, yeah, that is certainly um, uh, part of it. But um, I was looking for a coordinating force. And this is way back now. Um, and so I started because you, you think, well, okay, this has been going since the ancient world. Uh, it must have been mentioned through what we call history. It must have been mentioned by the different cultures around the world, the native cultures and whatever, the ancient cultures. And you find that it was when you do the research. Like with the work of Credo Mutua. Yeah, Credo Mutua was one uh, one source. He talks about the Chittahuri, um, the, a, a reptilian, uh, obviously non-human uh, race that was manipulating humanity from the hidden. But then you, you, you look at the common themes across many um, different belief systems. Uh, I, I, it's one of the things I'm looking for. I'm looking for patterns and I'm looking for common themes that... That, that jump different belief systems. You can see different or, or the same theme running through what apparently are completely different belief systems. And in many ways they might be, but these common themes are that like the cement. So you look at Christianity and it talks about demons. Um, what are demons? Demons in Christian terms are a non-human force that's manipulating human society and humans from the hidden. Then you look at um, Islam and they talk about the jinn yeah. and manipulating from the hidden. You look at the Gnostic writings from um, uh, what was found in an earthen jar in, um, in Nagamadi in 1945, which has been estimated to have been put in that jar about 400 AD. And the Gnostic uh, people, they were kind of, you might call them semi-Christian. They had Christian themes, but many differences. Um, and 
these writings, the Nagamadi Library, as it's become known, um, talk at length about uh, an unseen force they call archons, which is Greek for rulers. They say these archons were hidden rulers who were manipulating uh, human society from the hidden and indeed created this very reality we call the human world. They say that these archons made a, quote, fake copy of prime reality, yeah. what we would call a virtual reality copy. That's what we would call it. I've got some very thick books uh, at home uh, of translations of the Nagamaki text. And when you read them, uh, this fake copy they, they're talking about, we would absolutely call today a um, virtual reality simulation. Ike distinguishes between two elements which make up the cult. The first element are the multinational and global organizations, the UN, the World Health Organization, the World Bank, the European Union, and, you know, probably FIFA, and the wealthy elite. That's the first element. Their job is to bring as many people under their control as possible create and run the systems of control and be the human face of the second element. The second element are the otherworldly forces working behind the scenes of history who are really in control and use the global organizations and elites as their agents to achieve the domination of humanity. The second element, be they archons, jinn or demons, are present in the religious texts and teachings of religions so I guess that's evidence enough for their existence? Look, it probably just feels true to Ike, so who am I to argue? It came from very thick books in Ike's home, after all. Anyway, Ike continues and elaborates here about how these beings don't experience time the same way that we do. This force seems to have a lot of patience. I mean, like they're just, you know, slowly moving towards their goals. And um, it, it, it seems to have more time than uh, than us. I mean, we, you know, a normal human life is like, let's say, 80 years. And they have they, they seem to look at a much uh, larger timeline. Yeah, because outside of uh, so we go back to what I said earlier, um, this simulated reality that we are decoding into an apparent world. Um, part of the um, part of the simulation coding is the infusion of the perception of time. Um, and this is why, you know, if you get deep into the non-physical world, you, you reach a point where, where time disappears. Um, and so you're, you're looking at a realm that has a completely different relationship to time, to this one, that is controlling uh, the one we live in with a relationship to time. So, of course, they've got patience. But so... Time passes here for us, but not necessarily in the realm of the Archons or the Jinn or the Demons or whatever they are. Ike claims that the control of humanity relies on our acquiescence. The forces at work in the shadows, the cult, are weak and must trick and deceive us in order to rule us. Ike says more about the rulers of the world. Uh, you know, so one of the things I've uncovered and written about over the years is how this force controls um, all sides or both sides, whatever. In, um, in conflicts. So, uh, it controls China. It controls Russia. It controls Ukraine. And it controls the West supporting Ukraine. It controlled, uh, Germany. It controlled the West. It controlled Stalinist Russia, Maoist China. So, um, just because, uh, one side is fighting another doesn't mean ultimately, um, the same force is not behind both sides because what it wants is the fighting for many reasons, but in the subject area we're talking about, it wants the um, 
target population at war with itself, so it doesn't unite. And yes. it's not really bothered why different elements of the population are fighting each other, so long as they are. And, exactly. and if you look at wars, it's very much like politics. Now, you know, people like you and me and many others now have long realized that we live in one-party states masquerading as uh, multiple-party states and masquerading as political choice. Give you uh, an example in Britain. We have um, the Conservative Party in government of this guy, uh, Sunak, unelected prime minister, um, a, a World Economic Forum clone, just like Rutter. And then we have the opposition Labour Party, or well, opposition it says here, uh, headed by a guy called Keir Starmer, who is a World Economic Forum clone. And uh, during uh, the lockdown period of covid um, when the Johnson government was imposing uh, fascism like the Rutter government was in the Netherlands, um, the opposition Labour Party was um, criticising the Conservative government, not for its fascism, but for not being fascist enough. It wanted even more uh, severe measures than the government was imposing. So um, you, you um, are looking at political parties, of, uh, if you like, political conflict for power, but actually one step back from both of them, you've got the same force in the shadows that's controlling both of them. And it's the same with wars. You, you, you get these, um, the same force behind them. Because as long as you're fighting, as long as you're in conflict, well, that's just what they want. And so they create organizations like Black Lives Matter, which is funded by billionaires like George Soros. Yes. And, um, it got about $90 million or something, uh, in, in funding. Uh, millions and millions of which went to buy houses for the founders of Black Lives Matter. It's not gone to the benefit of black people. Black Lives Matter was created for one reason, one reason only, to divide and rule the population on the grounds of race. That's what it was there for. Um, and, and all across society, you've got these um, points of conflict because the, the population has to be at war with itself because the numbers game means that otherwise, if we were united, then the game would be would be over, and and so you're absolutely right. That's what we need to do. Yeah. And what I would say to people is just just okay. You don't agree with me on this. You don't agree with me on that. But let's let's just agree on one thing, right? The world is being taken into a very sinister and dark place by some very sinister and dark people. And let's just unite to sort that out, and then we can sit and bloody argue about who's got the best religion, who's got the best system, or whatever. But let's sort this out first. Because it's in all our interests and all our children and grandchildren's interests to do so. Yes. You know, uh, when uh, you, you are in a sector camp somewhere, uh, then you know, I guess you can sit around when when the, the control system's in place and we can argue about who has the best religion and who has the best political system. It won't bloody matter, but uh, you can have that conversation. The, the interesting thing is it's over by then. Ike expands here on the position of strength that the dark forces who rule us actually occupy. Not only do the cult control both sides of conflicts, but all of British politics. They also control China and control Russia and are responsible for the Black Lives Matter movement. At the same time, Ike claims throughout the interview that the cult rely on our acquiescence. What I'm hearing from Ike is the idea that the cult are both strong and weak at the same time. Yes, the cult are powerful enough to control the world as we know it, but the cult is too weak to stop us once we realize the truth and stop giving our power away to them. In recent years, the term conspirituality has been coined to describe the strange overlap between extreme right-wing politics, New Age beliefs, and the wellness industry. Ike provides us a fine example here. Mixed messages, or the shifting of rhetorical focus when discussing 
the enemy, was identified as one of the 14 typical elements of fascism by Italian polymath Umberto Eco. Eco explained, Fascist societies rhetorically cast their enemies as, at the same time, too strong and too weak. On the one hand, fascists play up the power of certain disfavoured elites to encourage in their followers a sense of grievance and humiliation. On the other hand, fascist leaders point to the decadence of those elites as proof of their ultimate feebleness in the face of an overwhelming popular will. In his essay, Ur-Fascism, Echo stated that the 14 elements of fascism he identified weren't necessarily present in all fascist movements, nor were they required to be present. Echo wrote that these elements, even a single element, was sufficient for a fascist movement to coalesce around. Another element of fascism identified by Echo, and painfully obvious, is Ike's obsession with a plot against us by a perceived enemy. Echo explained, Obsession with a plot and the hyping up of an enemy threat. These often combine an appeal to xenophobia with a fear of disloyalty and sabotage from marginalized groups living within the society, such as the German elite's fear of the 1930s Jewish populations, businesses, and well-doing. Ike also espouses, through his calls to action and his appeals to us to stop acquiescing to the cult, for his followers to become heroes and join the fight. Echo identified, everybody is educated to become a hero, as another element of fascism. One of Ike's books is even entitled, Human Race Get Off Your Knees, The Lion Sleeps No More. There is another fascist element which Ike evokes towards the end of this very interview which I'd like to highlight. In this clip, Ike condemns trust in academics experts and scientists and emphasizes the importance that information should feel true you know i would like to summarize this what you're actually saying if we want to get out of this situation then we need to unplug and unite is that the solution is that the way out well unplug and unite i think the first thing that people need to do um and it's this is my opinion it's not for me to tell people what to do um is to um if they're new to any of this yeah just put aside all previous beliefs. In other words, get yourself a symbolic um, blank sheet of paper and say, I'm starting again. And what um, goes on the sheet of paper in terms of what I accept as reality has got to earn its place on the basis of evidence and on the basis of what I feel is what feels right to me. Um, It doesn't get on it on that blank sheet of paper any longer just because a teacher told me or a professor told me or a journalist told me or a politician told me or a doctor told me or a scientist or academic told me, it gets on there because it it, it feels right to me and the evidence supports it. Uh, and, and we start to take control of our perceptions back. Because the point that, you know, of, of, you know if, I, if I could sum up the totality of what I've learned over the years is that this reality we think we're experiencing is so phenomenally, fantastically, almost breathtakingly different to how we appear to be experiencing it. And what it appears to be is fantastically different to what it actually is. And if we're going to start to understand it, then we've got to deprogram from all the beliefs and um, perceptions that we've uh, downloaded um, and and let them um, 
get on that blank sheet of paper only through our filter and not accepting them just because some system person has told us. Because I'll tell you from experience, and I'm sure you've had the same, um, you know, just because you're called an expert or a scientist or a doctor or an academic, it doesn't mean you have it. You, uh, what, A, what you're saying is true, but it doesn't mean even that you're intelligent. Some of the most monumental idiots I've ever met in my life have been academics, doctors, scientists, and people that you're supposed to look up to as um, the uh, the fountain of knowledge. Um, it, it, you know, but oh no, they know more than me. They've, they've got a, these letters after their name. Well, what does that mean? That just means that they've absorbed what the system told them to believe. They've repeated it in exams so that they pass them with flying colors. And then they accepted the, um, the uh, narrative of their chosen uh, um, specialization. And as a result of um, accepting the specialization and absorbing the information from the specialization, they are now uh, seen as experts and, and uh, fountains of knowledge. It doesn't mean they are. What if what they've been told is a load of bloody nonsense, which most of it is? So we need to have the confidence to trust ourselves to come to our own conclusions and not get them from external sources. Um, of course, external sources can give you information, but we need to form our own perceptions, not become a clone of someone else's, whether it's me or anyone else. Mm. Well, thank you so much for these cl closing words. Uh, Mr. Ike, I want to... Ike's anti-intellectualism and the rejection of scientific authority are both elements common to far-right rhetoric. Ike's insistence that knowledge should feel true, despite also insisting that knowledge should be based in evidence, sounds contradictory at first hearing. But it's important to realize that Ike does not mean evidence which has been scrutinized. Where or who the evidence comes from, the reliability of the evidence's origins, considerations of gaps in the evidence, if any, or the repetition and reproducibility of results are all irrelevant. Ike is insisting that the validity of evidence should depend entirely on how true it feels. How does it reinforce the narrative he's come prepared with? Feeling and intuition are Ike's guide to truth. In the worldview of both Ike and the right wing, science is political. Scientists, experts and academics have passed through the filter of the system where they have learned the facts approved by the cult and now exists to prop up the cult's regime by giving it legitimacy by lending their support as subject matter experts and authorities. Look, if you feel confused, that's, you know, so do I. The whole thing is like a snake eating its tail. It's uh, tautological. Ironically, Ike has cast accusations of fascism against his imagined enemies. Smarter people than me have spent more time and have had greater insight into this than what I can offer today. So I'll need to revisit this in another episode after I've hit the books. But it is something I want to explore further, and I think it's definitely territory that bears going over. Thank you for listening to the first part of my coverage of Ike's interview with Baptiste Pepe. In the next part, we'll hear Ike explain the virtual reality we live in, why Ike hates electric cars, and why he thinks Elon Musk is a puppet of the cult. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at ikelandpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, only believe what you feel is true. Good night.